If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here is the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. And today's topic is not exactly a light topic, but it's important. And I promise I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer over the whole thing, but we have some stuff we have to go through. And that is... The topic is overcoming generational trauma. So do you carry that burden of generational trauma? It's, it's a topic that's mentioned a lot, but it's not really understood for the complexity that it has and the impact that it has for generations. I mean, generational curse, right? Um, it's, it's underestimated in how much that shows up throughout your life. So it is something that's not really to be swept under the carpet. You kind of need to look at it and see where it is and how can you be the person to break the cycle. Now, breaking the cycle, I have to tell you, right, full disclaimer from the get-go, that is not an easy task. It's huge, in fact, because this is something you're carrying already embedded in you. It's, it's already been accepted as a part of your reality. So to address this generational trauma and say, nope, stops right here. I'm not doing this. I'm not passing it on. It's a big task because old patterns keep coming up and they, they keep wanting to surface because the brain likes the familiar. Your brain likes to do things that it knows. And when you go into unfamiliar territory, it takes work to create that new pathway. So Think of, okay, let's go with the elephant in the jungle, right? If an elephant runs through the jungle, it kind of flattens the path. It's pretty significantly so. So the other elephants look and say, oh, hey, let's work that way. Let's follow that path. So everybody trundles along that path and it, it gets to be a well-worn, well-recognizable path. So that's the one everybody takes. Now, one elephant says, you know what? No, I don't really like that path. It leads to a, a muddy water hole and this one's clean over here. So I'm going to make a new path. But it's awfully tempting every time you come across, you know, fallen trees or a ravine or something to go back and go the familiar path. So that whole story is to tell you that it's not easy to break cycles, but it's necessary if you want to get away from the mud and into the clean water. So that's going with the stories. I'm going to use those a fair bit, probably. So it is a significant topic. And some people will call it transgenerational trauma or intergenerational. It doesn't matter. It refers to the psychological, the emotional, and sometimes the physical impact of trauma that's passed down from one generation to the next. And it can be within a family. It can be within a community. And an entire community can be affected. Think of the community following the Holocaust. There are grandchildren, there are children of survivors, there are still some survivors, and they carry a massive amount of trauma from this, and it is passed on to the community and to the families. It's kind of a large thing to not pass on, right? 
but how do we take what's there and break that cycle? It's not easy. It takes work, but it is possible. Another place where you can get generational trauma from, which really doesn't get mentioned a lot, is the whole topic of false memories. Sometimes you grow up being told stories, right? Your granddad did this, your grandma did that, this person did this. And you get all these stories, and if you hear them often enough, you start to think of them as your memories. Now, that means that you have accepted that as a truth and that your body is operating from that as this is my blueprint. This is a reality. So the the significance of this is if the stories that you've been told, the stories that you've taken on board are not safe, then you're not going to feel safe, right? And what will you do to keep yourself safe? What will your brain have you do so that you don't get into that place of danger? Much depends on what the story is. But learned memories, memories that are given to you, are just as powerful as if you'd actually been there because as far as your brain's concerned, it's the same thing. Your brain does not differentiate between what you're imagining and what you're experiencing. It doesn't differentiate between what you're seeing on the screen. So when you're watching a horror movie and your heart rate goes up and your blood pressure probably goes up and your fear goes up, this is because your brain thinks you're in it. It believes what it's seeing. We, we don't have the, the sort of faculty to say, no, that's, you know, consciously you can say that's not real and I'm here and I'm safe. But your brain doesn't know that. Your subconscious is in there experiencing it. It's the same thing with learned memories. So that's another source that you can look at what kind of stories are you passing on that become your child's memories, for example, or become part of the community story. What are you passing on? Is there something you can change there? So that's an interesting thing to consider, and I'm going to come back to it a bit later. I'd just like you to ponder that for a bit. Like what would your story be if you could rewrite it? It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that I'm negating any of your experiences. There's clearly no point in that. You have the effects of it. But sometimes rewriting the story can give you a different future. And that is so important when you're looking at generational trauma. How can you take the parts that hurt and rewrite the whole story around that and how it got there so that you don't have to keep doing it? It doesn't alter where you've been, but it will alter where you're going. So that's a whole process. And I do actually work with clients to do this. I worked with someone, well, there was a lot going on and it was a couple and we worked together for two years, a lot, a lot of trauma to unpack, but we did it bit by bit, bit by bit. Now I'm not saying nothing ever comes up for that couple, but an awful lot doesn't because they've dealt with it and they have broken the cycle as far as their offspring are concerned. They're not passing that on. I consider that such a colossal win. I can't even put a number on it. Like it's just, it's way up there. It's such a good thing. And that's the impact of cycle breaking because their children will go on to not reproduce that trauma, right? So whatever it is, and it can be, anything from physical abuse, sexual abuse, like 
it can be neglect. You know, there's there's a lot of different topics, and sometimes the sneaky ones are where you've been made to feel that, you know, you come from a line of people who are not good enough. The the caste system that was prevalent for centuries in the UK, it's definitely not such a big thing there now, but in India, it's still very much a thing. And if you're born into a particular caste, you have the trauma of millions, you know, who have been born into that caste over generations. And and you're given certain expectations. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go there. You know, this is not for you. And that's a sentence that somebody who's born into a system that, that starts them down on the ladder, there's going to be a lot of stories to keep them there. And it's not necessary. It can be broken. But when you're in that kind of situation, you need a lot of help to get out of that because it's it's a very interwoven story. It's part of the fabric of who you are. So pulling those threads out and changing them is, is a big task. So this kind of trauma can come up as a result of a lot of distressing events or sometimes even one, but it's so huge that it's carried on you know, you you bring that story into a part of who you are. Or maybe you bring that story out every now and then, polish it off and tell it to everybody. The more you focus on it, the more your brain sort of says, oh, yeah, yeah, we're still there. And so you're going to be repeating some of those things for yourself. You're experiencing it again. Your hormones, your brain pathways, you know, they're all that elephant running down the same old path again. You're experiencing it again. So I invite you to consider the possibility of rewriting that story so that you can find a different path. There's historical roots quite often for generational trauma. I mean, that makes sense, right? And it can be widespread. So wars, genocide, forced migrations, colonization, slavery, and Something that's very current these days is indoctrination of small children with a very traumatic sort of outlook, a very traumatic story that this is what their life is about. And it's just such a sad thing to see. It's it's more than sad. I don't have words for it, but it's another form of generational trauma. And when you grow up with this indoctrination, how do you know anything else? This is all you've been taught. So it's very hard to behave differently when you've been taught that way. So verbal narratives are very often um, a strong pathway of passing on this trauma. As I mentioned, the stories that you tell, the stories that you've been told, particularly the ones that you start to remember as your memory. And that can be so interesting when you start to unpack it, because as you dive deeper, were you there? What do you remember around that event? You know, what what was the weather like? There's all kinds of questions you can ask that start to pick apart the environment you were in. And interestingly, with those learned memories, you very often can't remember anything else. You might not even remember if you were inside or outside. You might not remember if it was winter or summer. And when those things come up, it is fair to question whether that is a learned memory or a real memory. 
Now, I'm not saying it is a learned memory, but it's something to investigate for yourself as much as possible. And if it's something that a family member has been telling you, then it's a great idea to go and ask them, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, how old was I and where was I? And see if you actually remember any of the things they're saying or if you're just getting the parts you've already heard before. It can be very interesting to look at. And whether it's your story or not, if you've learned it from someone else and you don't actually consciously remember it, I would invite you to rewrite that story. There is no sort of reason for you not to. You can take that story and change some of the dynamics of it. So, for example, was that terrible thing done to you because of who you are? Or was it done to you because you happened to be there? And there's, there's a huge difference, right? Because as kids, whatever happens to us, we think it's our fault. We think it's about us. That happened because it's me and that person hates me or, or you know, it's something about me, right? Whereas actually, if you turn around and look at the other party involved or parties, depending, you look at them, where were they coming from? What was happening with them for that behavior to occur? And those are some really important questions because when you can turn around and look at the other person in your mind's eye, you can see quite often that, oh, that wasn't about me at all. That was, I was just there. I was in the way. When you realize that, you can start to change what that story is about. And after the break, which is coming up fairly soon, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the limitations that come up from those kind of stories where you've made it a part of you and your brain's trying to keep you safe. Limitations is your brain trying to keep you safe. Woo, mic drop. We have a break coming up. Please don't go away. And if you have questions for me, I would love you to either come to Inspired Choices Network and put them in the chat or email me at mickey at gaffinstone.com or find me on social media. And I will talk to you very soon. See you after the break. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. 
To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here and I'm so glad you're still listening. Thank you. We have a lot of different ways to look at intergenerational trauma or generational trauma and what it does for you and what it does to you. So before the break, we were talking about learned memories, memories that you have taken in as actually being yours. And it feels like yours. It must be yours, right? You've made it a part of who you are. But those same stories or the actual experiences that you really did have personally rather than secondhand, those experiences, as a a child, they're taken into your body. If you've read The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, you'll know this. If you haven't, I recommend you read the book. It's very, very good. And it's got a lot of information about generational trauma in it. So one of the things that we came up with before the break was that limitations are basically your brain trying to keep you safe. That's how it shows up. So, for example, if you were told that you'd never amount to anything and you're no good at things and you can't do anything, then that story would become a part of how you see yourself and your subconscious brain says, okay, all right, we're not going to be successful. We can't do anything because that's the story. That's who we are. So then you're trying to do something new or you're trying to say for coaches or entrepreneurs, you're working on a new business. And every time you start to get somewhere, ah, something goes wrong. And it's something you have done or not done, typically. Why does that keep happening? You know, you get that frustration, that sort of hair pulling, like, oh, man, I did it again. Let me go find a self-help book on sabotage, you know, self-sabotage. Well, you can do that, but it's a bit like putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. It's not really going to do a whole lot for you because the issue isn't surface, it's deeper. And you need to work with someone to get to that deeper place. I say work with someone because it's an awful lot easier if you have an outside perspective who can help you navigate the things you can't see. And think about it. If you could see all those obstacles, if you could see all those limitations for what they were, you wouldn't be experiencing them. So coaching or sometimes therapy is needed. It just depends on what you're working with and what stage you're at with your journey, right? But you do need to work on them. That is something if you want to have that success, if you want to break that story of I can't do this, I'm no good at that. These things always fail. You know, there's, there's a lot of negative talk and your brain's listening and it gives you what you're telling it. So you need to be very careful. What's your self-talk? What's the story that you keep bringing up? What are the stories that you tell yourself about to keep yourself in victim mode? Okay, that was an unpopular opinion, right? But... Some people stay in a victim mode of everything bad happens to me. Why can't I catch a break? Nothing good ever happens, et cetera, et cetera. You know, keep playing the the wheel. But does it? 
you know, do they have no control? Does that person have no say in what happens in their life? I would argue that unless you choose to give that power away, yes, you do. But the story of being a victim, the story of things happening to you, that that can be a very sort of heady place to be because then you're not responsible for anything. And the secondary gain, I'm using a few psych terms here, but, you know, hey, nothing complicated. Secondary gain is that you're getting the attention from people and they're making you feel okay with where you are when they say, oh, you poor thing, no wonder you can't do such and such. Or, oh, wow, that must be terrible. Here, let me enable you with something. You know, there's a, a sort of win, if you will, when you're in victim mode. But it's a very small one and it's a very superficial one. And underneath, you're still stuck in a place you don't like. You know, it's you like the ease of it. That's that path through the jungle. But you don't like the mud at the end. You want to find that clean water hole. So this is where taking some action and figuring out, first of all, do you need therapy? Like how, how significant is this for you? Or do you think coaching will get you where you want to be? Not all therapists are equal, not all coaches are equal. So it's something for you to consider. And if you are someone who's dealing with a lot of sort of stories that keep you small, stories that you're using to limit yourself, then I suggest you look into therapy and maybe interview two or three therapists, look into coaching and see which which one works for you. <clears throat> you know, if you actually have, um, a mental illness, then, and that can happen with generational trauma for sure. And it can happen for other reasons. Yes. But if this is you, then therapy is the way to go. If you don't have an illness with it that you need help with from a therapist, coaching may be a good way to go. And it shows up in so many different ways as well. We have a lot of people, uh, particularly in the US, but not only look around the world, but a lot of people who are larger than ever before. We have people with massive weight issues. And very often that person has the lowest self-esteem you could look for. And it's not because of the weight. The weight is because of the low self-esteem. Now, I'm going to tell you that one again because it's really important. When someone is carrying a lot of weight, this is not a blanket statement to cover everybody. There are exceptions. But quite often, you will find that the person with a lot of weight has layers on themselves to kind of hide. You know, don't, don't look at me over here. You know, leave me alone. And it's a sort of back off. I'm, I'm in my space and I don't want to have to deal with anything there's a lot of pain there. And that person will typically have a very low self-esteem, a very low self-efficacy, meaning they don't think they can do things. They don't think they can move from where they are. But you know what? You're not a tree. So pick up those roots and move from the place you are if you don't like it. There's ways to do that. There's work that you can do to do that. So I would invite you to give it everything you can to get to that place. So generational trauma, it's it's a big thing. It's, it's what to, I don't know if it's what to talk about so much as it's what to think about. 
right? Because it's, you really need to work on this if you're going to have good relationships, for example. If you're moving into a new relationship and you're bringing a whole lot of, I hate me, I can't do these things, this is terrible, I have all these problems, nothing ever works for me, you know, and you have that whole negative cycle, whatever it sounds like for you, then that's, you're, you're bringing that to the party. It's not exactly the kind of dish people want to be served. So if you can work on yourself before you start working in a relationship, you'll have a much better chance of longevity and longevity in the relationship, I mean. And, you know, you'll choose better. You'll choose your partners better because you're choosing from a better place. You know, if, if you're constantly in bad relationships, bad as in they don't end well, maybe that person mistreats you or talks to you badly, or you just find yourself somewhere you don't want to be, and that keeps happening, then I, I invite you to really look at where is your self-esteem at? What is your self-talk? Do you tell yourself those same stories or are you being nice to you? And I'm going to invite you to practice something right now. And that is when you next talk to yourself, use words that you would use to someone you love. Talk to yourself as though you love yourself. And if you find that difficult, I need to talk to you because we have some work to do. This is not okay. If you find it difficult to be nice to you, what are you expecting from the world around you? What do you expect from other people if that's what you're putting out there? Now, another illustration for this is think of the person who's like Eeyore, right? Eeyore's very good, everything's terrible and, and very down. Now, you can want to help that person and, and you can sort of spend time with them. But after a while, it starts to pull you down as well because they're just stuck in that mud. They're not even trying to get out anymore because they've been in it so long. Well, if that's something that you keep getting pulled into, why would you allow that? Why would you choose that? It's possibly because of your self-story. It's possibly because of the things that you've taken in as being yours. Now, so far, everything I've said has been very sort of verbal, right, and, and very accessible. <clears throat> now, there are some other things that you can look at, such as, oh, let's see, well, social and systemic implications. Like when there's a trauma in a society, how does that society respond to that? What do they, do they as a large group do? What stories do they tell each other to keep that going? And is it positive or are they pulling you in a negative way? This is something for you to look at and consider what kind of environment are you in? Is there one you'd rather be in? And if there is, what's the story? What's keeping you from going there? And if you just said, well, money, duh, I have to tell you, money is not stopping you. It is not the problem. Because if you want something enough, you will find a way. So if this is one of those things that you're self-sabotaging or you're not even getting far enough to self-sabotage, <clears throat> excuse me, then what is the story? 
what's the real reason for you not being able to do something different? Because when people are in dire straits, they will often make some massive changes. It wasn't about the money then. It was about the necessity. So what would it be if it was about the choice for you? I'm giving you an awful lot to think about here. So if I'm poking any bears, if I'm like sticking pins in you anywhere with this, then I'd invite you to have a conversation with me and you know you can book a 30 minute call and we just talk to see if there's something you'd like to work on. And I think if, if I'm poking you, if you're getting a little upset by this, then we may have some good stuff to talk about. So we have a break coming up again. I just want to let you know that you can find me on social media, Michaela Gaffinstone. Um, there's only one with that name, I believe. You can email me, mickey at gaffinstone.com. There's my website, gaffinstone.com. There's a theme here. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk to you about epigenetics. Don't be afraid. It's a lovely subject. It's not complicated. I'll see you in a minute. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and I'm a human behavior expert. I am fascinated by people's behavior, why they do it, what it means, how they can do things differently. And, excuse me, behavior is a big part of breaking the cycle from generational trauma. Because when you keep doing the things you keep doing, you'll keep getting the things you keep getting. So if you want a different outcome, if you want to break that cycle, one of the things you have to work on is your behavior. Because that's what keeps bringing you the same results. So that's a, a thing to think about, right? And behavior is my jam. So there is this relatively new field of science called epigenetics. And if you think of your genetics as this is who you are, these, these are all the little bits that tell you how to be who you are and make you different from the person next to you. Now, epigenetics, if you think of them as 
like a bank of light switches, right? You have a whole load of light switches. Some are on, some are off, some you can switch on and some you can switch off. And you play with those. Each time you change a switch on or off, you change what that gene that it's, it's attached to, it's sitting on top of, is going to do. So sometimes, for example, somebody could be predisposed to developing diabetes. Well, if they know that, or if they simply follow a very healthy lifestyle from an early stage, and they don't have the kind of triggers that will set off that light switch for diabetes, you won't develop diabetes, or you may develop it much later. It will change the outcome. However, if that person is eating, you know, high sugar cereal every day and living on fast food burgers, then especially the fries that go with them, then chances are they will flip that switch to on in a big way. And they might even put some tape over it to keep it there and they will develop that issue. So epigenetics is affected by the environment and it's infected, it's affected by the food you eat and the stress you have and the people around you literally affect your epigenetics. So if you're in a very stressful environment, all those light switches that are attuned to stress or attuned to the hormones that are produced from stress, they get flipped on and you get health problems. Arthritis, for example, that people with arthritis will very often be able to trace back some pretty significant trauma. Again, nothing I'm saying in this podcast is like, this is it and this is for everybody. It's all some people, a number of people. It can be a lot of people, but, you know, it's not everybody. So this, if this isn't you, then, you know, don't get bent out of shape over it. It might be the person next to you. So keep listening. You could get some good stuff out of this. So those genes are passed on. And your epigenetics are passed on to the next generations. Not 100%, no, you're not 50-50 of each parent. It's not exactly like that, but a fair amount can be passed on. And if you've been listening to me for more than a couple of podcasts, you'll know I also work with human design. Human design has two columns of numbers that you can see when you get your chart done, which, by the way, you can do on my website. And those two columns, one says personality, and that means you now, what you arrived with. The other one is design. And the design is the genetic information from six generations back. Some people say seven. I don't know that it matters. The point is there are things that you bring with you in your human design that's genetically passed on. So what do you do with that? You work with it. You work to resolve it. And there are pathways through using human design that you can do that. It very much depends on what are you bringing? What, how much do you have and how far in it are you? Are you still in that mud hole or did you climb out and now you're trying to shake yourself off? Where are you at? There's different ways to approach the situation depending on how much you've got, how long you've had it. If it's generational, then <clears throat> chances are, as long as you remember, but we can look at that and we could pick it apart and see which things are holding you back the most, work on those first. And the easiest one for you to work on really is that self-talk. 
I cannot stress that enough. If you talk to yourself in a negative way, if you call yourself an idiot when you drop the pen or now thinking of that, just as I said, you know, you're an idiot when you drop the pen. I'm originally from the UK and in the UK, people tend to speak very negatively to each other. They might not mean it that way, but there is an awful lot of name calling and, oh, you're an absolute idiot, you are, you know, is, is a very common thing. You're going to hear it several times a day. And people don't think that they're causing damage with this, but they often are. And it's a cause of a great deal of stress for people as they get older. So it's, it's kind of systemic in the UK. You know, it really is part of the culture. It's a massive issue. And when you come out of the UK, like I did fairly early on, and you put yourself in different places that don't do that, ooh, there is a big, very big difference, I can assure you. So that's just a, a personal thing that came up and I thought, oh yeah, you're an idiot. How often have I heard that before? And it, it can have an effect. And if you're talking to yourself that way, oh, I can never do this, honestly. I am so hopeless. Have you called yourself hopeless lately? I would like you to go back to yourself Look in the mirror if you can do that and just tell yourself, actually, you're really hopeful and you're really doing a great job. You're still here. Let's see what we can do that's brilliant today. You know, whatever comes up to you. But practice that really positive self-talk, that loving self-talk, because that is one of the areas where that trauma keeps coming up every time you tell yourself something, whether it's out loud or in your mind. And your brain's always listening and it will give you more of what you're telling yourself. So again, I mentioned that right at the beginning, but it's really important. You get what you focus on. So if you've just bought yourself a red car, for example, or you're thinking of getting a red car, when you go out, you are going to see so many red cars. It's like someone ran amok with the spray paint and covered everybody's car in red, right? That's not actually true you'll be surprised to know what happened was your brain a particular part called the reticular activating system your brain said oh hey you want to know about red cars okay i'll find your red cars and your focus your attention will pick those things out so if you're looking for what's negative in your day if you're looking for what's negative in yourself you will pick those things out and very often the origin of those negative things is from parents, grandparents, the people around you, the environment. Like I said, in the UK, it can be, it can be pretty darn toxic, you know, <laughs> listening to all of that uh, very negative talk and then you use it on yourself. How much of a favor are you doing yourself? And I mentioned weight earlier on. Now, when somebody is carrying more weight than they'd like to and they have that low self-esteem, Again, it's not everybody, but for those who do, there is a whole lot of story around food then. And very often it's emotional eating. Like when I eat this, I feel comfort. When I eat this, I feel connected to this particular person. There's a lot of story around that. And it can too also come from gener generational trauma. Well, can't speak. So that can be unpacked and you can have alternatives to emotional eating. It just so happens that on Monday, January 29th, I'm launching 
a brand new 90-day program, brand new because it's me, <laughs> 90-day program on redefining your relationship with food, understanding why you eat what you eat, and then making the choices you want to make so that you get the results you want. Now, a lot of us feel less than well. We're not sick. We're just not as well as we could be. Maybe you wake up tired. Maybe you just don't have the energy or something's creaking, you know. There's, there's a little bit of eh in there. Sometimes, in fact, very, very often in this case, it can be the food you're eating. There's an ingredient in there that doesn't work for you. And this program will help you to find what that is so that you can then choose, am I going to have that or not? So, for example, for me, last time, well, maybe not the last time, but one time when I had a chicken egg, I had such a bad reaction, I had to go to the hospital. So that's a sort of extreme end of that food not working for me. But you can be assured that I can look at a chicken egg and I have no desire to eat that thing. It's not interesting. Now, if you had something that you were eating and it gave you a runny nose every time you ate it, you could then make a choice. Well, I'm going on a hot date tonight, so I don't think I'm going to eat that thing because I don't want to sit there with a running nose, right? You will know what the thing is by the end of this program. And I think that's really powerful. We work on emotional eating as well so that you figure out what the attachment to that food is and whether that food fixes what ails you, you know, does it, does it plug that emotional gap? I'm going to give you a spoiler here and say, no, it doesn't. But you'll find that out for yourself. When you have that information, you can do so much from there for yourself. You don't want to rely on a broken healthcare system. You don't want to rely on an overburdened healthcare system. You want to rely on yourself for your health because you're the only person that can really control it. If you're interested in this and you want to know more, I would love for you to contact me. You can message me on Facebook. You can, you know, it's the quickest actually. You can email me, mickey at gaffinstone.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. You know, I'm in a lot of different places. You can also respond to this podcast and just say, hey, I'm interested. And then we can talk and see if it's right for you. We launch on Monday and this is going to be such an amazing small group of people. We're, we're going to learn some interesting things. So I invite you to consider that if that's something you want. It's not necessarily about weight loss. Let me just point that out as well. It's about your relationship with food and who's the boss. So if you have to have a donut because it's three o'clock, then I'm going to say the donut's in charge because you didn't get to choose that or something you might relate to a little bit more. If you're at a buffet, right, how much food do you need to eat at that buffet? How many things are you going to put on your plate, even though it's way more than you would normally eat? Are you going to pile it up? I have seen people with so much food on their plate it is literally dropping off the plate as they walk back to their table. Wow, who is in charge of those decisions? There's a story around, well, I've paid for it, so I'm going to eat it. Oh, the more I eat, the better value it is. Oh, I need to eat this because so-and-so paid for it. Like, what is the story around that? Or do you even have a consciousness of it? Is it just something that, oh, look, all the food, I'm going to pile it on. These are things where you're not choosing that. It's choosing you. 
Isn't that an interesting thought? I, I kind of like to see people's faces when they start to realize, oh, I wasn't having that because I chose it. I was having that because it was that time of day or it was that person that made it for me, therefore I should eat it. I mean, going back to the UK just for a moment, if you say to somebody, are you hungry? They're going to look at their watch and say, uh, no, it's not lunchtime yet. Where did that decision come from? Were they hungry or was it the clock? Right? And Brits aren't the only people that do that, but you know, I'm very aware that they do do that. So we have another break coming up, holy smokes. I hope I'm going to get through everything. Don't go away. You are listening to me, your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone on Navigating Complicated Relationships, Inspired Choices Network. See you in just a minute. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here. There's a lot more to go through, so I think I may have to do a, another episode on this. But generational trauma can affect your communication skills. It can affect your choice in relationships, who you're choosing and who you're missing completely and why. It can affect all of those things. It can affect what you expect from society and what you expect from yourself within society. It can affect so many things that it's just, it's, it's a massive subject, as I said right at the beginning. Now, not unrelated, the next week's episode is called Empowered Boundaries, The Art of Saying No. And I want you to become a know-it-all, as in N-O, a know-it-all. It's going to be a good one. The whole episode is about no. Generational trauma, that's what this episode's about. So when you're communicating with someone from a whole story that's negative about you or negative about your background, or maybe you're hiding something. Maybe you have shame about your generational trauma. Maybe you have shame about who you've been told you are. Wow, that is such a huge ding on how you present yourself in society, right? How are you gonna to talk to someone if you don't feel worthy? If you feel like you've got this really dark secret that nobody can know about? Ooh. And what if they're doing the same thing? Who are you in a relationship with now, right? Who are you talking to now? They're hiding all their stuff. You're hiding all your stuff. Neither of you are fixing it. Guess what happens when others come into that relationship, such as kids? Ooh, they get everybody's trauma piled onto them. Not because it's intentional, but because it's there and it will come out. It will insist on coming out. It's so strong. 
So this is something that you really do need to work on. It doesn't say anything about you that you have it. It says a lot about you when you're prepared to work on it. And that I, I can't say higher of anybody than when they're working on their own stuff and the stuff that they've been given, which is really most of what you're carrying, right? And wouldn't it be great to just take all of that, unpack it, rewrite the story to something that's much more positive and just put that sack of nonsense down? Can you imagine the limitations that you'll be able to get rid of? What can you do? What can you achieve in your life when you can put that sack of nonsense, that sack of negative down? When you can come from a place of, I'm pretty awesome. I love me. And I don't need to pretend that I don't. Wow. What can you achieve with this? Everything. You can achieve whatever you choose to achieve because you're there to show up for yourself. So learning to love you, learning that those traumas aren't about you, that they may be yours that you're carrying, but you can put them down. It's not something you have to have, right? Just because it's been given you doesn't mean you got to keep it. So this is something, there's so much in this episode. And I've also covered some things in previous episodes. If you want to look back and look at the anxiety episodes or boundaries, there's a lot of different places where this shows up as being an issue. How do you set boundaries when you don't feel you're worthy of them? How do you set boundaries when you don't know what they are because nobody's ever had them around you? If you're a people pleaser, well, there's some trauma involved in that too. But if you're somebody who must please the other person first and you don't really count, well, your negative self-talk is probably playing a part in that. And what results will you get from this? You may have heard as you were growing up, oh, I sacrificed all these things for you. I did all this for you. I'm going to invite you to put that one down right away. Nobody sacrificed anything for you. They made choices that seemed good to them at the time, right? And that's why that person did what they did. So if it's a, a parent who's a little bit dramatic, um, you know, and likes to say, well, I did all these things for you. And if it wasn't for you, da, 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 da. none of that is true. None. You can put it down right away because that person made their decisions based on what they thought was good. Here's a little thing for you to remember, put it on a sticky note on your computer or something. But human beings never consciously, intentionally decide to do something that they think is going to suck. They don't do something because they think they're going to hate it. They do it because it seems good to them at the time. It's the best decision they can make. So some pretty awful things happen because they're coming from some pretty bad places. That's, you know, I'm not including things like mental illness that gets in there or whatever else, extenuating circumstances. I'm not covering those, but I'm just looking at, you know, if you're coming from such a negative place, how are you going to have the most great outcome? Like, how are you going to achieve the thing you really want if you're coming from this dark place, right? You need to find that pathway to the light a little bit, work on the shadow stuff as you go, and you can put it down. So if this interests you, I would love you to contact me. My email is mickey at gaffinstone.com. That's M-I-K-K-I -K -K -I at gaffinstone.com. I'm not a mouse. 
And you can find me on social media. I'm often on Facebook and less so LinkedIn and Instagram, but I, I still check them out periodically. So if you'd like to contact me and talk about any of this, see if there's some coaching that you would like to try. I am very happy to work with you on this and get you to a much better place because there's no need for you to be stuck in this pit of generational trauma. You don't have to carry it on. And in fact, major kudos to anybody that doesn't because it's the more difficult path, but it's the more worthwhile path. And if you're lucky enough at the end of your life to look back and say, wow, look at that, you will be so pleased with yourself when you broke the cycle. I'm pretty sure that nobody ever looked back and said, yay me, I carried on the trauma. Woo, you know, you're not going to do that. So think about it. Think about where your limitations come up repeatedly and why. Why do they come up? If you want to investigate that, let's have a conversation. And next week, we, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about empowered boundaries, navigating the art of saying no. And just think about this until our next time. How do you take it when somebody tells you no? How do you feel about that? What does it mean about you? And how good are you at saying no? What does that mean about you? Juicy. We are going to be looking at that in the next episode. So I look forward to seeing you then. Meanwhile, be good to yourself. Have some nice self-talk. And I will catch you on the flip side. You have been listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and I'm so pleased you were here all the way to the end. Once more, I just want to mention that my website is gaffinstone.com, G-A-F-F-E-N, and I can be found on social media a lot. I would love to have your comments. I would love to have your feedback. And if there's a subject you'd like me to cover, in a podcast episode, let me know. And if it's something that I can do, I will do. And if I can't, I'll find out. How about that? So let's be in touch. Talk with me. Let me know what's going on for you. I'm here and I'll see you again next week with the whole thing about, oh, did you know it was a complete sentence? We hear that, but did you know it? How does that resonate for you? How often do you say it? Who do you say it to? And when you're saying no to something, what are you saying yes to? Ooh, questions for next week. I will see you soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makayla returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.